Hello everyone and welcome, 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 welcome to an episode of Everyday Black History. Uh, Happy Monday to you all out there. I know it's been a few weeks, actually several weeks since I've last done an episode. The last time I did an episode was back in February, near the end of uh, Black History Month. And, you know, just had to take care of some personal things over the last several weeks. And I just didn't really have the opportunity to put aside the proper amount of time to, um, you know, um, do the do the podcast. But, um, you know, that's this how it is, you know, for all of us. We all have uh, obligations, family obligations and things we have to take care of. And sometimes, you know, other things got to get put onto the back burner. But. You know, I definitely miss doing the podcast. I miss coming here on Everyday Black History and talking about Black history. And um, unfortunately, I missed Women's History Month. But as I always say on Everyday Black History, we don't need a specific month like Black History Month or Women's History Month or Hispanic Heritage Month for us to show love to uh, our culture. You know, we always honor uh, women on uh, Everyday Black History and we'll continue to do so, whether it's March, whether it's April, whether it's February, September, October, it don't matter. So, you know, even though I missed the month of March and and doing Women's History Month, we will definitely continue to show honor to our women here on Everyday Black History, as well as to all of our culture on uh, on our platform. But... um, as mentioned, I did miss coming and just, you know, sharing a bit of black history. It's one of the calming things that I enjoy doing. You know, nowadays we uh, are faced with so much, you know, still dealing with coronavirus and still dealing with police brutality and inequality. You know, being able to come here and talk about our history is one of the most relaxing and encouraging things that you know, I can participate in nowadays because it just helps us to see how no matter what we go through, we we are a, a, a people who have nothing but fight in us and we will persevere no matter what. Because as black people, as black men and women, all of us in the African diaspora, we has, we've, we've survived slavery, we've survived Jim Crow, Jim Crow segregation, police brutality, inequality, and, you know, we still here. We're still here and we're still doing our thing and we'll continue to do so. So getting into the, to today's episode, today on Everyday Black History, we're going to um, highlight a woman by the name of Sarah Rector. And the interesting, the interesting thing about Sarah Rector is that um, she was considered by many newspaper articles in her time to be the richest black girl in America back in 1913. And the interesting thing about Sarah Richter is that she got her money from oil. And I did an episode a few, uh, you know, back in February where I talked about, um, you know, black, uh, a couple of brothers who who owned, who got rich off oil um, in Oklahoma. And it's interesting that when you think of oil money, you think of uh, the Middle East, you think of, um, you know, Rocker, John D. Rockefeller, you think of guys like him. But um, actually, you know, there were some black Americans who got rich off oil, as we will talk about one in a minute. And in Nigeria, Nigeria is a very oil rich company, uh, company, country, excuse me. Nigeria is a very oil rich country. Um, in fact, there are a lot of Nigerians that are making a lot of money in oil over there. 
So there are uh, black people, people of African descent who are making money in the oil business business and who have made money um, in the oil business. Unfortunately, it's just not a lot. And, you know, like with everything, you know, we're always put to the back burner on things. But there are people, you know, in the African diaspora who have made money in oil. And so we're going to talk about one, Sarah Richter. And uh, Sarah Richter was born in 1902. she was uh, born the daughter of freedmen, and uh, she rose from humble beginnings to become reportedly the wealthiest black girl in America at this at just the age of. Now the ages differ; some places to say eleven, some places to say twelve, but put it this way: she was, you know, wealthy. Now her story is an interesting story. Um, her and her family were African American members of the Muscogee Creek Nation. Um, an Indian tribe, um, an Indian nation in, uh, in, uh, in Oklahoma. And uh, they lived in a modest cabin in uh, the, the predominantly black town of Taft, Oklahoma. Um, and it was considered Indian territory at that time. Now, um, following the Civil War, uh, Sarah's parents, who were formerly enslaved by Creek tribe members, were entitled to land allotment allotments that um, they got some they got you know forms of reparation under the uh, Dawes Allotment Act of 1887, and uh, as a result, there were hundreds of black children, or, or as they were known, Creek uh, freedmen miners that were granted uh, 160 acres of land as uh, Indian Territory integrated with Oklahoma Territory to form the state of Oklahoma back in 1907. Now, uh, most of the land that was given to former slaves were infertile. It was rocky. You can't really do much to it. And that's no surprise, right? You expect them to pull a fast one and, uh, you know, give, you know, infertile land, land that you can't do anything with, you know, you, you, you expect that. But Sarah's allotment from the Creek Indian Nation was located in the middle of the Glenpool oil field. And at the time when she got it, it was initially valued at just $556, which at that time was a lot of money. But since her parents were strapped for cash, um, her dad leased his daughter's parcel of land to a major oil company in February 1911. And that was to help them to pay the annual property tax, which was just $30. Now, in just two years, that land uh produced a gusher of oil in just two years a man by the name of bb jones who was an independent oil driller he uh, struck oil on her land and it was so much oil that the the it brought in 2500 barrels of oil a day or 105,000 gallons of oil per day and just like that sarah rector became a you know rich woman um it says it is said that she began earning more than three hundred dollars a day in 1913, which equates to about eight thousand dollars a day today in today's money. And in and in the year of 1913, she generated eleven thousand dollars five eleven thousand five hundred and sixty seven dollars. And you got to remember, this is 1913. So that's a ton of money. I mean, think imagine making eight grand a day, you know, from just some land that you own. You know, like today, like that's, you know, that's good money. And because of this, her notoriety just exploded. 
and there were newspaper articles about her all over the place. In September 1913, the Kansas City Star uh, published the headline, Millions to a Negro Girl, Sarah Rector, 10-year-old, has income of $300 a day from oil. Um, there were other reports in January 1914. A newspaper wrote, Oil made Piccaninny rich. Oklahoma girl with $15,000 a month gets many proposals. Four white men in Germany want to marry the Negro child that they might share her fortune. The Savannah Tribune also wrote, Oil well produces neat income. Negro girls, $112,000 a year. <laughs> Another newspaper dubbed her the richest Negro in the world. Her fame became widespread and she received numerous reports, uh, requests for loans, money gifts, and the aforementioned for marriage proposals. As you know, whenever you get money, whenever people get money, all of a sudden everybody comes out the woodworks. Everybody wants money. They want a favor. They want a loan. There was no surprise that she got, uh, you know, um, requests for, for money gifts, no doubt from churches and from all kinds of charitable organizations who were looking to take advantage of this young girl's situation. Now, at the time, there was a law that required Native Americans, black adults, and children who were citizens of Indian territory with, with significant property and money, they were to be assigned a quote-unquote well-respected white guardian. So Sarah's guardianship switched from her parents to a white man named T.J. Porter, so because of this, there were people who were concerned with her, with her well-being and the fact that there was a white financial guardian who no doubt was trying to take advantage of her, her money. So the NAACP uh, got involved and they fought to protect her and her fortune. The Chicago Defender, which is a black owned newspaper, uh, actually published an article claiming that her estate was being mismanaged and uh, by uh, grifters and her ignorant parents and that she was uneducated, dressed in rags and lived in, un in, in an unsanitary shanty. Um, but uh, none of these allegations actually were true. Um, it, it was said that her and her siblings went to school in Taft, Oklahoma, which was an all black town. And they lived in a modern five room cottage and they owned an automobile. And uh, Sarah even enrolled in, a, ch in a, a children's house, which was a boarding school for teenagers at the Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. She had people like Booker T. Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois um, looking out for her, you know, to protect her fortune and, and to protect her well-being. So I honestly don't know what the cause. I, I think the cause of the article might have been just to just so to bring light to the world that this could have been happening. It's not said or verified whether or not she was being taken advantage of, but you can pretty much assume that, that, that that's probably what was happening. But those allegations that were put out in the Chicago Defender were said to be untrue. But whatever the case was, this man didn't steal all her money and she didn't end up broken destitute. It, it was, it's actually good that that's not the ending of the story because usually that's how that would happen, right? You know, she'd get all this money and then some, some white person would come and take advantage of her and her parents and then take the money and leave them high and dry. But that actually didn't happen. By the time Sarah turned 18, she was worth an estimated $1 million or about $11 million today. She owned stocks, bonds, a boarding house, a bakery, a restaurant, and 2,000 acres of land. So she continued to buy land with her wealth. She eventually uh, left uh, Tuskegee with her, she eventually left um, uh, Oklahoma with her family 
and uh, moved to Kansas City, Missouri, where she bought a grand home that still stands today. It's actually um, it's actually a preserved home in uh, Kansas City. And uh, it was said that directors eventually moved into a home that was a far cry from that weather weather whipped two room cabin in which Sarah Sarah began her life. Uh, this new home was a, a stately stone house, and it became known as the Rector Mansion. As we mentioned, it still stands today. In 1922, she married Kenneth Campbell, who was the second African American to own a dealership. So, not only did she you know, build up a fortune herself, but she actually married, you know, someone who's on her level as well, because he was a businessman um, as well. And they connected and they built together. They had three sons and they were recognized as local royalty um, in Kansas City, driving expensive cars, entertaining, um, you know, people like Joe Lewis, Duke Ellington and Count Basie at their home. So they, you know, built a life together. Unfortunately, they got divorced and Sarah Rector got remarried later on. But um, and the, the, the Great Depression did hit her hard. But, but despite the Great Depression, I mean, millions of people, many people um, who had money during that time lost their whole fortune. So even though she might have got hit during the Great Depression, she still had all your wells that were making her money. And she still had real estate holdings when she died at the age of 65 on July 22nd, 1967. So... You know, she she always she always uh, maintained her wealth, um, even even despite the Great Depression and financial hardships that followed that time period. So we just wanted to highlight her because Sarah Rector is not well known in history. You know, if you look up the richest black girl, you know, her name will come up. Yes, because more light has been drawn to her and her her history and her life. But um, we just wanted to highlight her because it's amazing that. Um, you know, she that this this little black girl from Oklahoma got some land that produced, you know, that much oil and made her rich. So we just wanted to highlight her today on Everyday Black History as a good way to, you know, come back after being gone for so long. And, um, you know, her story is a story that, you know, it, it's encouraging to hear. So that concludes this episode of Everyday Black History. Um, we'll be, you know, coming back regularly now with with Everyday Black History uh, episodes, and I have some interviews. I know I talked about interviews before, but I have some interviews that I've done, quite a few interviews that I've done that I'm going to be putting out, um, you know, this week. Uh, interviews that I've done with some amazing people, and I have some more schedules, so I'm gonna start doing more interviews. I'm also gonna start just promoting black-owned brands. There's a lot more black-owned brands that are coming out that are getting more more notice now and you know we always we want to support black owned businesses because we support all these other companies that you know put in stuff that's not that's harmful to the body and that's that's not good for us and most of these black owned brands that are out now you know are using ingredients that's helpful to us whether it's our skin our hair whatever so we just want to promote you know these black owned brands we're going to start promoting them more putting them out there you know, and, and, and even looking at ways where you places where you can find them, where you can order them just so that we can always support black business. So as mentioned, um, we'll be coming at you soon with more more episodes, more black history. So stay tuned. Enjoy the rest of your week and be safe out there.